Father, we're so thankful this evening, Lord, that you're not only God, but you're still on the throne, Father. God, you're still making intercession for your people, Father. And Lord, we as your people, we need a God to intercede on our behalf. Intercede for our sickness. Intercede for the troubles and the trials we face. Father, we're so thankful that we serve a living God. And Lord, I just ask tonight, God, you'll anoint the lips of clay to speak words of life. Lord, you'll anoint the ears of man to hear what the Spirit would say tonight, God. We just yield ourselves, both speaker and hearer, Lord, for your service. to, Lord, just to hear from the great mighty God that you are unchangeable God, unstoppable God. What a mighty God you are. We bless your name tonight, Father. May you just have the preeminence in this service, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we'll look here in Romans 8, verse 31. As you're turning there, just, just wanted to greet you. It's been a while since we've been here. I want to say thank you for your prayers for our families. We was in Arizona for the funeral of Sister Rachel's brother, David. Jessica's uncle, we're, we traveled 3,600 miles round trip. We actually went by Flagstaff and preached for Brother Dale Smith uh, Wednesday and Sunday and had tremendous services there. But, you know, it's nothing like being at home. So y'all may want to get a picture of the four of us because this, <laughs> this hadn't happened in quite some time, probably since the first of the year. So, But we're glad to be back together. I'm honored to serve the Lord with such mighty men of valor and and to be among a church that believes the full gospel. We look here tonight, Romans 8 and verse 31, it says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? But it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice here, Paul's bringing some distinct things to our attention. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution. All right, church, come on. This is not just the ministers. This is all of us. Or famine our nakedness, our peril, our sword. As it is written, for thy sakes we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. <clears throat> I want to look back here, Romans 8 and verse 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? Who can come against us if God is, is God, if God is for us? Who can injure us? Who can destroy us? Notice all demonic powers of hell may be against us tonight, but the power, they don't have the power to destroy us, nor do they have the power to take away the blessings of God from us. For what? If God be for us, then who can be against us? God is more mighty than all our foes. He will defend us and he will save us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 118 and verse 6, the Lord is on my side. 
Somebody needs to hear this tonight. The Lord is on my side, and I will not fear what man do unto me. Notice, then he comes down in verse 35. Who shall separate us? And he goes into great detail, tribulation or pressure from without, affliction arising from external sources, or distress, great anxiety and distress of mind, such as arises when man does not know where to turn himself or what to find, uh, to find relief. <clears throat> Excuse me, or persecutions or famine because they were driven from their homes and yet we find what could peril. He said, in peril there is danger of any sort or danger of any kind. Or even the sword of persecution. Notice in all these things, Paul says, nay. Nay. Otherwise, however, otherwise, but in all these things, notice Paul is bringing it down. No matter what you are facing, no matter the situation, no matter the trial or the sickness or the heartache or the despair or the anxiety or the fear or the loneliness, in all these things. Now he's making it global. All these things we are. Notice Paul is making it personal. Not we will be, not we were, but we are. Present tense tonight. We are what? We are more, not less than, but we're more than. Come on, somebody. He's telling us, and Paul is telling us, that's the attitude in which we must take when we face challenges. Paul is making it personal. It can't be just your neighbor. These great men of God, it can't be just a minister. It can't be just a deacon's. But it's got to be me. I am tonight. No matter how small I am, no matter how young I am, no matter how old I am, how new to the faith I, I am tonight more than. More than what, Brother Joe? More than a conqueror. So notice, Paul is placing it in our thoughts that we are not less than able, but we're more than able. Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 says, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. The head and not the tail. Thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. Notice, we are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. We are the ones that are going up, not down. And he tells us, notice, we're more, more than conquerors. That word conquer, there is one who is victorious. It means to overpower in victory. It means to be abundantly victorious. Somebody needs to be listening. Not one victory, but we go from victory to victory to victory to victory. Abundantly victorious. We are more. Notice, we're not just conquerors, but Paul is telling us we are more than just conquerors. We're more than able. We're more victorious. No matter what we're facing, we are the victor tonight. We prevail mightily. We overpower in victory. We gain. Look, our trials are, they may be sent to destroy you, but your trials doesn't destroy you, but it only makes the victory better. We gain through every trial. We gain the victory. Our trials, our difficulties, our hardships, look, they have no power to subdue us tonight. 
They don't have the power to take from you tonight the love of Almighty God. Notice, but through the trial, through the situation, Paul is telling us that that situation that God has brought you into will make you more than a conqueror tonight. You'll be more victorious. And notice, where does it come from? Through him. It says through him. See, all of our abundant victories, they come through Christ. They come from Christ, they come through Christ, and they're in Christ. So he makes us more than conquerors. See, it's through Christ that we prevail mightily. It's through Christ that we have overpower, overpowering victory. Zechariah 4 and verse 6 says, Then he answered and he spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We overcome by the spirit of God. Not by brute force, not by humanity, not by big strapping muscles, not by how intellectual you are, but we overcome, and we're more than conquerors, notice, through Christ, And it's through Christ that we have the power to subdue. We find in Philippians 4 and verse 13, he says, I can. How many of you can say that tonight? I can what? I can do all things. Not some things. Not the things that I'm just, you know, maybe I'm skilled to do. But he says, I can do all things tonight through Christ which strengthens me. Otherwise, you can believe when nobody else will believe. You can remain steadfast when people are falling away and drifting away. You can remain. Why? Because I can do all things tonight. Paul, again, is making it a personal a personal vindication or, or a personal invitation. He's showing us that we as a believer can do all things. We can subdue nations tonight. We can subdue demonic forces tonight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Notice, it's through him that loved us. So it's it all comes down to love and his love for us. And because he loves us, we are what we are tonight. Because he loves us, we will not fail. Because he loves us, we are victorious. Because he loved us, he sent Christ to die in your stead. Because he loved us, he went to hell so we wouldn't have to go. Because he loved us, he sent you a message. Because he loved us, he sent you the seventh angel. Because he loved you, he brought you to this church. Because God loves you. And the Bible says that, yea, in all these things, we are tonight. Not just even like Tabernacle, but the bride around the world are more than conquerors through him because he loved us. And his love has made us what we are tonight. It's made us victorious when all hell is against us. Well, Brother Joe, what are you preaching on? I'm preaching on the champion within. The champion within. Notice this word champion is a person who has defeated or surpassed all rivals. This man ain't never been beat. This man doesn't know the word defeat. He doesn't know what it means to be a loser. We're talking about a champion. And the the brother Brandon will tell us in the the greatest battle ever fought, he says, we got a five-star general spelled J-E-S-U-S placing five stars on us, F-A-I-T-H. He never lost a battle, hallelujah. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Get the devils out of the way. He's a great chief captain. So the devil isn't even in the picture. 
And some of you were worried about cancer when the devil ain't even in the picture tonight because our chief captain doesn't know the word defeat. Why could Ron Spencer be standing four years after giving four months? Because the chief captain is still the champion tonight. He's Ron Spencer's champion. He's our champion. Jesus Christ is our champion. Notice now, he's the undefeated champion of sickness. How many of you have been healed by him? You're a testimony that he's still undefeated. Notice, he's the undefeated champion of cancer. How many of you have overcome cancer? We have several cancer survivors here tonight. See, he's still, he's undefeated champion of sorrows. How many of you have lost a loved one? But yet, you're here because the chief captain, the champion. He's the champion of heartache. He's the undefeated champion of love. See, he's our champion. He's defeated all of our rivals. I like that. He's defeated all of our rivals, whether it be anxiety, whether it be fear, whether it be depression, whether it be pornography, whether it be financial struggles, no matter what it may be, he has already defeated that. And the Bible says he's made you more than a conqueror tonight. He's the champion, but he's come. And what has he done? He has given us his Holy Ghost, the token that we heard about Sunday. And that Holy Ghost is on display to do what? To make you a champion. To make you a warrior. To make you somebody that'll stand steadfast. When everybody falls away, you'll still stand. And having done all the stand, you're standing there for Because you're standing for the truth of God. Notice now, Brother Man will tell us like this. He said, then Satan can't stand that. Notice. Because he's a defeated being. Oh, he's a defeated being. Not going to be defeated. He's already defeated, Brother Johnny. He's nothing but a bluff. Well, I sure wish you could remind me that when I'm in my trial. I'm reminding you tonight. He's nothing but a bluff. Jesus paid the price, called us by his grace. We're an heir. What a perfect setup that is. Woo, he's already defeated. I never defeated him. Christ defeated him. I'm just claiming my God-given privileges. Oh, hallelujah. Notice. He tells us in John 16 and verse 7, Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, then the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So here we have a prophecy or we have a promise that God is going to send us a Comforter. He's going to send us the Holy Ghost because what he is, he wants us to be. So he's the champion, and he's looking for other champions to come on the scene. Notice we find here in John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray that the Father, and he shall give, un- he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Then he goes on to say, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. So Jesus is our champion, and he sent his spirit to come and live inside each and every one of us so that we too could be champions. So now I'm going to dive in a little bit tonight, and I want to kind of bring some of this thought to you tonight. What does it mean to be a champion? 
I don't want this to be mind over matter, but I want, to, I want you to look at it from the eyes of a Holy Ghost-filled believer tonight. Because we received this Spirit. How many of you got the Spirit of God? You got the token on display tonight. Just wave your token before him in prayer. Notice, so what does it mean to be a champion? Jack Dempsey, he was a legendary boxer, once said, a champion is someone who gets up when he can't. Someone who gets up when he can't. I'm looking at a whole lot of champions in the room tonight. Because some of you didn't want to be here, but you're here. Some of you got knocked down, but you got back up. Some of you, the devil says, I'm going to take them out, but you're here tonight. That's proof that there's a champion on the inside there. Some of you have taken major blows and major struggles, but yet you're still here pressing the battle. So being a champion is knowing what your limits are and pushing past them. Man, all I can tell you, that takes a Holy Ghost-filled believer to recognize your limitations and then push beyond them. There was a man by the name of Louis Zamberini. Brother Aaron and I are very familiar with this man, not because we ever met him, but because we are historians. We like to read about World War II. This was an Olympic champion. This man, at 18 years old, ran the 1936 Berlin Games, and he met Adolf Hitler. But after the, the, uh, he ran the fastest mile, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, the last lap. So he ran the fastest lap in uh, Olympian history at that time on the fourth lap. But he got sent to the war and his plane was down. He flew, he flew a B-24 and his plane was down and he, he, he drifted 47 days out on the ocean. Eating birds that would land, they would take them and they would eat them and then rainwater catching it from the sky. Him and two other guys. And then when he finally was rescued by the Japanese, he suffered disease, exposure, starvation, nearly daily beatings from guards. And he was sent to one camp and there was a prison guard by the name of Bird the Bird. They called him the Bird and he took particular glee in torching this runner. And one point, he told him he had him hold a a large wooden beam across his shoulders, and he threatened him. He says, if you drop it, I'll kill you. This is recognizing your limitations, but your life is on the line. And he realized no matter what he did, he had to remain steadfast. He had to push past his weaknesses. He had to push past how he felt. And he had to push past the resistance. He had to push past the pain. And they said miraculously, he held that beam over his head for 37 minutes. Until finally the bird finally hit him and beat him and knocked him unconscious. So being a champion is recognizing your limits, but you've got to be willing to press on. Recognizing your trial, that that trial didn't come from God, but is sent to, to spur you on to be a champion. See, a champion means to, be, to bear unyielding courage, which creates confidence. Many of us are familiar with John Wayne, being that I was just out in the West. Man, it just reminded me, I saw John Wayne everywhere I went. Every man had a belt buckle and a cowboy hat. I'm like, man, this is John Wayne heaven out here. But John Wayne made the statement, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. And that's what God is looking for. 
He didn't say it was going to be a flower bed of ease in Laodicea, but he said, you got to have courage. I'm looking for champions. I'm looking for people. You may be scared to death, but you get in and you get on with it anyway. Because why? Because you're not living by your spirit. You're living by his spirit. And he sent forth the great champion, the champion of love, to come and live inside of you, to spur you on to good works. Notice, being a champion is not giving into your fears, but recognizing your fears and moving forward. How many of you have fears here tonight? We all have some sort of fear. That's just human nature. But it's recognizing them and then moving past them, moving forward. Not letting your fears hinder your faith. Notice, it means to develop the habit of recognizing and responding to any shred of positivity. You know, there's so much negative in the world today. And it's so easy, our human nature just grabs hold to the negative. But notice, we find there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's, uh, there's Russia and what Russia's doing, there's political chaos, there's social economic struggles, there's crime, there's people coming across the border in massive numbers. And yet, but being a champion is not focused on all these negative things, but it's focusing on one thing. It's focusing on that which is positive and building upon that and remaining upon that. It's harnessing your skills and talents and putting them to the work for the Lord. Being a champion. It means calling those things that are not as though they are. So what does it mean, Brother Joe, to be a champion of a believer? What What are we to look for? So being a champion doesn't mean that you'll always be in perfect health. All right, but being a champion means you're going to believe for it. Being a champion means you're going to put that well body in front of you and you're going to take step day after day after day. You're going to walk toward that body until finally that body obeys your confession and you're living and you're manifesting in a well body. You don't give up just because you got a bad doctor's report. You come back to the word of God, back to your absolute, back to your top post. And this is what the word of God says. By his stripes, I am healed today. And a champion doesn't look at the doctor's report. It doesn't look at his affliction. It looks to the word of promise and said, I'm going to believe only that. No, being a champion means that doesn't mean that you'll always be in wealth. That you'll never be in need of want, but it means that you trust him to supply your every need. David would tell us, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You may not know where that next meal is coming from, but he knows. You may not know how that bill's going to get paid, but he knows. And what he's trying to tell you tonight is you're not focused on all. You're not caught up and apprehensive about that. You're trusting. You're trusting that he's going to make a way when there seems to be no way. Notice, being a champion doesn't mean everything will always go your way. All right, newsflash. I know some of y'all are immediately disappointed, right? You mean, Really? No, it doesn't mean that you'll always feel him near. It doesn't mean you're going to come to every service and it's going to be a a spectacular meeting. But it means that you come and because you believe that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's promised to be there. You may not feel him. You may not see him. But he's there nevertheless because he said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. 
So we put our faith in the word of God, not in our feelings, not in what we see, not in what we taste, not in what we hear, not in how we feel. Our faith anchors in the rock of ages tonight. And we look past everything that we see, taste, smell, and fear. It's in him and him alone. So many times champions, if you do any kind of study in athletics and things like that, many times champions are isolated people. They're not the masses, they're the few. See, but you know in your heart or hearts that he's going to never leave you as a young person. Do you know in your heart or hearts, in that deepest struggle, in that great trial of affliction, he's there. No matter what, he is there because you have a word that declares he's there. Because you have a champion on the inside that declares he's there. Because the Holy Ghost is declaring that he's there. So being a champion means that you push past the hardships and you keep your eyes fixed on the prize. Some of you got children here that are wayward tonight. To be a champion parent, you're not picking out their flaws, that new tattoo that they got or that new bobbed hair or whatever else it may be. You're not looking at the, you know, the new boyfriend or the new girlfriend or whatever it may be. You're looking at the word of promise. Said, I got a promise for my prodigal. And I think about that prodigal. You know, Brother Brandon, when he preached a prodigal message, he only preached it one time. And he said, the angel of the Lord came there and, and tapped that young boy and said, it's time to get up. You've been here long enough. Why? Because there was a dad, there was a mother back home praying. They didn't know where he went. They didn't know how far he's gone. But they were praying nevertheless. They weren't worried about the reports that they heard. Some of you need to turn your eyes away from the report and start turn, believing God's report tonight. And he said that they and their offspring shall be there and be a champion of a parent tonight. Be a champion of faith tonight. Believe when nobody will believe with you. Trust when nobody will trust with you. I'm going to have my son. I'm going to have my daughter. I'm going to have my wife. I'm going to have my husband. I'm going to have one because the word says it. I'm going to be a champion. And I want you to know tonight the champion is already there. He's already on the inside. And he's wanting you to believe for it tonight. Paul will tell us in Philippians 3 and verse 13. So you got to keep your eyes on the prize. He goes, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing. I wish you could see this the way I got it highlighted in my, my iPad. Paul ain't looking at all the other things. He's got his mind focused on one thing tonight. Notice what he says. This one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind. Oh, bless God. Some of you need to grab that right there and take hold of it. Grab hold. Quit looking at your failures. Quit looking at your mistakes. Quit looking at your defeats. Quit looking at all that. Quit looking at the things that are behind you. And look to what? Look to the future. Look to the promise tonight. He says, forgetting those things that which are behind. Reaching forth. Unto the things that which are before. Oh, I love that. Notice this one thing. Paul had one great aim, one purpose in life. He didn't attempt to mingle the world and religion and the game both. No, he was single-minded. 
He didn't seek to attain wealth and salvation too. He didn't seek to retain honor here and the crown of glory hereafter. He had one object, one aim, one great purpose of his soul. And I'm talking of more champions tonight. You ain't worried about how high you can reach in that career or what you can be on the job. Some of you may be called to walk away from it to be a champion of faith tonight. But I want you to know you got one aim. You got one purpose tonight. And that's to make a rapture. That's to change this to and step into a heavenly dimension. And Paul would tell us, forgetting those things that which are behind. You know, he wasn't looking over his shoulder, looking at how far he's come and who's running behind him or who's lingered, who fell away. No, he kept his eyes steadfast. Keep your eyes looking forward, church. Don't be looking at what this church is doing and what that church is doing and what that sister is doing and what that brother's doing. Keep your eyes looking forward. Notice his attention wasn't diverted from this one and that one and everything else. No, but his attention was looking onward to the prize. See, he fixed his eyes intently on the goal. He would tell us in verse 14, I press. That word press there means to pursue in a hostile manner. You know, not everybody here tonight is going to be a Joe Adams. You may not be a Tim Pruitt, excuse me, Brother Tim, but we have strong constitution of faith. Not everybody's going to have this. Some of you are going to have a different disposition and a different demeanor. But yet Paul is telling us, I press. So no matter what your outcome, no matter what your nature, you can press tonight. You can press with a hostile manner, knowing that you're seeking eagerly for and earnestly endeavoring to acquire. To acquire what, brother? The mark, the goal of what the prize, which is the reward. Oh, church, tonight the prize of a believer is not this world, but it's a rapture. It's a body change. It's a marriage supper. It's an eternal reign. I'm pressing tonight. I'm pressing with eagerness, with determination to the mark, the goal of the prize of having a body change. That's what I'm pressing to. I'm not getting caught up in all the, uh, the things of the world and, and family struggles and strains and whatever else. I'm pressing toward the mark. I got one aim, one go. I got to make a rapture. I got to make a rapture. He's pressing toward the high calling. Notice, a life of honor and glory. The high calling to a crown that's bright and imperishable. The high calling, high, not down. And you've already been seen in a vision going up, not down in defeat. What is he saying? Oh, church, you can't lose. You're a champion. So being a champion, being a champion takes focus and determination. As a young boy, being a champion means you may have to go at it alone. Think about Brother Andrew Glar, Brother Andrew Tushner. When he was a young boy growing up in his church, and the influence that he was in. But in a youth service, in an unexpected place, at an unexpected time, Somebody was casting a net at the young man behind him and he got all caught up in it. And he's still caught up in it. I said, that's the best catch Joe Adams has ever made. What a blessing to the Evening Light Tabernacle that he has been to our church. But yet he had to make a determination. 
Do I continue to go with my friends? Do I continue to drift off and skateboard and smoke and drink and do all that? Or do I finally surrender and be what God's called me to be? And you see him here now. He's married with a young baby and he's a great musician, a great blessing to our church. Why? Because he made a decision that I'm going to be a champion. A champion of the faith. A champion for young people that God can and God will and God will do it again, church. He can do it tonight for you if you'll just believe and let go and let God have his way. You don't have to keep walking down that lonely road to defeat. No, God has already seen you rising to victory tonight. Notice. So being a champion takes hard work. Takes dedication. Perseverance. Makes, means you got to make sacrifices. Is that right, Brother Andrew? Got to make some sacrifices. But you find out they really weren't sacrifices at all. Not at all. So how many of you have ever played sports? Not knowing there's not going to be many hands here. <laughs> Praise God. But when I was in high school, junior high, I played sports. I loved football. I took all my anger and aggression out, out there on the field. I was, I was little fat, and the guy next to me was big fat. How about that for a nickname? <laughs> little fat and big fat. I was 225 foot six. He was 6'4", 320 pounds. We knew what it meant to open up a hole. But I had a hunger. I wanted to make it to the professional level. You ain't never seen a five foot six pro lineman. <laughs> you may have seen a running back, but you ain't never seen no pro lineman five foot six, 220. I get manhandled out there. So you just think, they said, and I, I drew some stats up and it. Tend a little research, then it says becoming a professional athlete, it certainly ain't easy. The chances of a going pro aren't in your favor. I don't want to bust no bubbles tonight, but the 1% of the top 1% achieve it. That's not big numbers. There are 1,093,234 high school football players in, in the United States. And of that 1,093,234, only 71,000 make it to college. You do the math. Those are not big numbers. Now let's say, take for instance... The drop-off from college to the pros is even more dramatic. Only 1.2% of college-level players will get drafted in the NFL. So of the 1,093,234 high school football players, only 853 players, 0. .00075, make it to the pros each year. Being a champion is not for everybody. But it's for you tonight. But it's for you tonight. See, it's only for those that are willing to push past their limits. It's for those that's willing to push past complexes. Push past family strength. It's only for those that are willing to break cycles. Cycle breakers in the house of God tonight. Those that refuse to let the legacy of defeat continue to dictate their life. Think about that. Champions. Well, this one says you're never going to mount to nothing. This one says you're never going to be. Are you better than us? You be no, I'm better than that. Come on, come on. I ain't saying I'm better than you, but I'm better than that. Come on, 
I'm better than going down in defeat. I'm better than drugs. I'm better than alcohol. I'm better than pornography. I'm better than defeat. I'm better than just being a denominational Christian. I'm better than that. Why? Because I'm a champion and I got champion pedigree all on the inside. Not by my doing, but by his doing, church. Somebody's got to make that determination. We're not going to live like that anymore. We're going to break those cycles and be better than that. You got to work harder. You got to make more sacrifices. Why? Because somebody is there to dethrone you. Satan is determined to defeat you, to destroy you. You know, but to be a champion means you got to be strong. Now, I'm not talking about Johnny, brother Johnny Strong. Good Lord, I wish I looked like that when I get his age. Big old muscles, big old traps. Oh, man, I never had traps. Probably because they'd be a trap. But not big muscles, but strong in the faith. Notice. It reminds me of a character in the Bible. My, 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 time's getting away. But notice, Romans 4 and, 4 and verse 18, talking about Abraham. He was a champion. Abraham was considered the father of our faith. And yet, against hope, he believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In one place I just listened to yesterday, Abraham's grace covenant, Brother Brown says she was barren and he was sterile. And he looked past the barren womb. He looked past the condition. He looked past her, her barrenness. And he looked past his own sterilization. And he looked at the word of God. And he called those things that were not as though they were, church. Notice the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in the faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to so the word stagger there means to withdraw from so Abraham didn't withdraw from believing the promise after the first year when he didn't see anything he didn't withdraw the fifth year when he didn't see anything he didn't withdraw from, the, from believing the 10th year or the 15th year or the 20th year or the 25th year he believed despite what he didn't see and the Bible says he was strong, he was bold, he was determined to stay with the promise because he was persuaded. Notice, church, he was fully persuaded. It's one thing, brother Aaron, to be persuaded, but it's an absolutely another thing to be fully persuaded. You know, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is going to manifest that promise. It may be one year, two years, 25 years, but he who made the promise is more than able to bring it to pass. Abraham was more than just persuaded. He was fully persuaded. And being a champion of the faith, he didn't withdraw from the promise. I'm trying to show you tonight, don't pull back from the promise of God. God made you a promise. God's given you a promise. Don't you pull back from it because of what you see or what you don't see. You keep believing, keep trusting. God will bring it to pass. Being a champion is being bold in the face of opposition. 
Notice it's remaining steadfast in the midst of your critics. Boy, we sure got enough critics. But we ain't backing down. And we ain't backing up. And we ain't retreating and we ain't surrendering. We moving forward. We got a job to do. We got a purpose. We got a goal. And it's a rapture. And it's that man's job, that man's job, that man's job, my job to get all of y'all ready for it. And as long as we're behind this pulpit, we're going to preach you into a rapture because we're going to preach you faith. We're going to feed you the gospel. We're going to feed you the word of God. We're going to preach you a balanced diet. Oh, we're going to preach you that you can have emotion when it's all about him and he comes down and you get the victory. You got a reason to get emotional. But we're going to anchor it on the word of God. We're going to have a foundation. And that foundation is sure and steadfast tonight. It ain't just all emotion. But we got a word to go with it. We got an anchor, a tie post that can't be moved tonight. We got a sure foundation. We're anchored on the rock of ages tonight. We may not understand everything. But in God's time, in God's season, God will bring forth the revelation. I've been a witness. I've been preaching 24 years now. Been a part of this church 25, 26 years. I didn't come in with all the head knowledge and all the understanding. And even today, I still have questions. But I recognize that God brings the understanding in his time, in his season. Well, you shouldn't be preaching if you don't have all the understanding. Well, you shouldn't be sitting there either. Uh-huh, the pot calling the kettle black. We learn and we grow in our understanding. We grow in our revelation. Your prophet did. If he, he did, can't we? Some of you ain't sitting in the same mindset you sat 20 years ago. At least I hope not. No, there should be a progression. Notice, you know what a champion does? A champion doesn't reflect or a champion doesn't dwell on defeat or what's in the past. A champion reflects on where he was and thanks him for where he's at today because he knows all the work, all the effort, everything he's put into it, every sacrifice. He used to be there, but today he's here. He used to be in drugs, but today he's in the house of God. He used to be a drunk, but today he's filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a champion. He ain't looking at past defeat and going back around that circle, around that mountain time and again. No, he's looking to the mark of the high calling. He's looking to the word of God. He's believing for the promise. When nobody, when no one else, Brother Johnny, will believe with him, he's still believing. When he has to walk alone, he's still walking. When he has to come to church by himself or by herself, she's still coming. When the kids have to come without the parents, they're still coming. Champion pedigree. Champion pedigree. Oh, I hope you're getting this. Notice, a champion is not knowing the word defeat or retreat. Brother Brown makes a statement in conferences. Never does God ever say retreat. No retreat in God. God is go forward. Some of you need to hear that one more time. So I'm going to tell you, God doesn't know the word retreat. God only knows the word go forward. 
Some of you to stop going around that camp. Cop, stop going around that mountain of depression that you've been in or fear that you've been in or complexes that you've been in or family strains that you've been in. Quit going around that thing, circling around it, wishing you could do better. Let me tell you, you've got to go forward now. This is the time to press to the mark of the high calling. Moses at the Red Sea. You don't think God knew that he was bringing them there? He didn't get concerned about the Red Sea. He wasn't concerned about the the Egyptians that was on their trail. He wasn't worried about the mountains on both sides. God had already drew the blueprint. He knew the path that they would take. And when Moses came to God crying about it, like some of us, crying about our trial, crying about this and crying about that, God didn't say, okay, Moses, go back to Egypt. No, he says, why cry to me? Speak and go forward. It's time for some of us to speak to the mountain that's in your way and move forward about it. God is asking us to believe. He's asking if I can take you out. If I'm big enough to take you out of Egypt, can't you trust me to take me, take you into the promised land? If I can take you from nothing, if I can take you from drugs, if I can take you from prostitution, if I can take you from a party animal, if I can take you from those things, can't I take you to a rapture? Can't I take you to a promised land? We ain't got to figure out all the mechanics of the sea splitting and water rolling back. No, all we got to do is trust God and go forward. Come on, champions. See, a champion, notice now, a champion doesn't listen to all the other voices around him. Because there's so many voices in the world today. But he's only focused on that one. You remember the story, Brother Bam talked about the violin player. He's playing that violin, and when he got done, everybody stood. Standing ovation. That didn't move him. He wasn't looking for the standing ovation. He wasn't looking at what everybody else thought. He was only fixated on his trainer, on his coach. And the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. We're not here to seek all the acclaim, but he was only looking, what does God think about it? What does God think about my life? What does God think about my decisions? What does God think about my career? What does God think about my church? What does God think about my dress? What does God think about my speech? What does God think about it? I'm not worried about what this family thinks about it because families have different degrees of standards in their families. Not every one of us is going to carry the same standard in this church. But what does God think about it? Championship, pedigree. There's a champion within. Notice now. Let me go on just a little bit further tonight. See, a champion doesn't mean that you feed on complexes. Well, I'm not good enough, and you shouldn't be here, and there's no use of trying anymore. You know, you might as well give up and quit. No, champion don't listen to that garbage. Champions don't look at that. Champions inside that message, digging on 1,100-something sermons, reading that Bible, praying, seeking God's direction. That's what a champion does. He ain't feeding a complex. He's feeding on thus saith the Lord. See, being a champion doesn't mean you throw in a towel when the fight gets intense. It's refusing to walk away. It's refusing to quit, but it's staying in the fight 
even if it means you take blow after blow after blow. Some of you wonder, why can't we get ahead? It's just another blow. But the champion pedigree on the inside of you says, I can take it. I can take it. I can take it. And I'm going to drop this in. George Foreman, Muhammad Ali. George Foreman was the undefeated champion. Ali, Ali lost the belt seven years prior because he refused to go to war. He was a champion in his mind. But George Foreman was the great champion. He had a belt that proved it. He had the hardest punch in boxing history. And yet they met in the Manila or the, the killer in the Manila. I believe that was the name. Of, or no, it was the Royal Rumble. Excuse me. And here they were. They're fighting. And George Foreman comes out and Ali comes out. Bam. He's floating like a butterfly. Bam. Stinging like a bee. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, a couple punches from George Foreman. He's laying against the ropes. Second round against the ropes. Third round, he's against the ropes. Fourth round, he's against the ropes. Fifth round, he's against the ropes. Seventh round, he's against the ropes. The eighth round, he's against the ropes. And George Foreman is blow after blow after blow, giving the best, the hardest punches that he could. And Ali took it. And he said it two times in that fight. He was knocked out standing on his feet. But he still stood there because he had champion pedigree in his mind. He had a champion pedigree in his heart and he stood there and he took the very best that George Foreman can dish out and then in the eighth round baby oh yeah he come out he come off the ropes and he began to swing bam 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 and a few swings like that and George Foreman was on the mat TKO knocked out first time in his career what am I telling you, church? I'm telling you, it's time that you come off the ropes tonight. You still got fight in you. You still got fight in you tonight. Come off the ropes. You've taken the best that he can dish out. You've taken the best that the enemy can dish out. Come off the ropes tonight. It's time that you fight your way through this. See, a champion is mustering the strength to rise back up after getting knocked down. Brother Bram says, I got a lot of respects for a man when he does, when he does make a mistake, he's got courage enough to rise and try again. Oh my. In this day and age, that's few and far between. But he says, we're all going to make mistakes. The best makes mistakes mistakes but a soldier is not one who will lay down when he's knocked down but he will rise up again he said we used to sing a song let me rise and try again who goes oh i like that for i have made many mistakes in my life we all have somebody needs to play that for voice of god we've all made many mistakes in our life but we've always been, he goes, I've always been thankful to God for grace to let me rise and try again. I believe the song is entitled, Forgive Me, Lord, and Try Me One More Time. He goes, I think that's it. I'll be yours if you'll be mine. If I fall, if I sin, let me rise and try again. Take me back and try me one more time. See, but a man that's once knocked down, if he's a real soldier, he'll rise up again. Lord, let me rise and try again. But a coward... As soon as he sees that he makes a mistake, a little mistake first, he goes, just like this morning, that bug and the water spider, they will crawl right back to the water because he can't stand it. I'm talking to champions tonight. See, champions don't give up. No matter, 
no matter what your makeup, no matter what your family tree, no matter what your personality, each of you possess championship pedigree because he has given you his spirit. He has made you what you are. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice the glory, this word here means magnificence or magnificence, excellence, preeminence, the most glorious condition, the most exalted state. And he says that the sufferings of this present time, the financial struggles, the sickness in your body, the, you know, that season of, of fall or that season of winter to where it seems like everything's dead in your life and your experience is dead. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the magnificence or magnificence which shall be revealed in us, not to us, but in us. See, it's the struggle that you go through that produces the champion. The affliction that you face causes champion from within to come out and rise to the occasion. Brother Bam said, before you can have victory, there has to be a battle. If there are no battles, then there are no victories. So we ought to be thankful for the battles and the tryings. It's God's given us an opportunity to have victories. See, but you've got to have a battle to have victory if it was just given to you, it wouldn't. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a victory. But he that overcometh is one who has the victory. So Jesus came to the earth. He had a battle. He won the victory. And tonight, we have a battle with Christ, and we have the victory. Do you believe that, church? Let me start bringing this down to a close. Let me find me a stopping place here. A few more minutes. So we look at God tonight and in Exodus 15 and verse 3. The Bible says that the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. That word man there, man of war, that phrase means he's a champion of war. Champion, never defeated. He's defeated all rivals. He's a great man, a man of war. And we find in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, you shall not fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Then we find in Exodus 14, verse 13, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them again no more forever. Exodus 14, and verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Deuteronomy 1, and verse 30, the Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. And then we look in Deuteronomy 3 and verse 22. You shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 4. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So the Lord is a man of war. There's an attribute on the inside to fight. I'm not saying you fight your neighbor. I'm not saying you fight the church. I'm not saying you fight one another, but God has called us to fight the enemy. Amen. You say, well, Brother Joe, I don't feel God near. I don't, you know, sometimes God seems a million miles away. He says, can a woman forget her suckling child? 
that she should not have compassion on her son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Because why? Because I have graven you upon the palms of my hand. So when he threw his hands out and took your nails, he engraved you on the palms of his hands. He can no more forget about you. So church, tonight, we got to press the battle. There was a time that, let me get to it. There was a time that Theodore Roosevelt, our former president, after he was the president, he went overseas and he did a tour and he was acting as an ambassador on behalf of the United States. And he got over there and I believe he was in, in, he was in Paris and he, be, he gave a speech that was called the Citizenship in the Republic. Otherwise, it became known as the man in the arena. How many of you have ever heard of that? You know, he, he began to rail on the cynics who looked down at men who were trying to make the world a better place. And he said, the poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. A cynical habit of a thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work, which to critic himself never tries to perform. Have you ever met somebody like that? They ain't never lifted a finger to help anything in the church, help anybody do anything, and yet they want to criticize. They ain't never had nobody over to their house, but they want to criticize because nobody has them over. Oh, my. Oh, Brother Joe, get off of that. Preach about the man in the arena. I'm going back to it. But notice, they criticize, never tries to perform an intellectual aloofness which will not accept contact with life realities. All these are marks not of superiority, but of weakness. Then he goes on, here's the main theme of the man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. The one, notice, because he says, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, and who comes short time and again. Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows with great enthusiasm, great devotion. Who spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. At least he's putting forth effort. At least he's fighting. At least he's in the arena. So that his place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. So today, at this moment, at this hour, in this age, in this service, you are the man in the arena. We look at Hebrews 11. Musicians, you can make your way back. I'm not done preaching, but I'm going to go a few more minutes. But if you'd make your way back. Hebrews 11 and verse 33, we talk about this is the heroes of faith are the champions of faith chapter. And we look here and it says, who through faith they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness, 1133. Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, in fight, 
turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom this world is not worthy of. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. See, all these believers had their arena. Great men, great women stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong. The weak were made strong. All these were champions of their day. Some were tortured. They didn't accept deliverance because they wanted to attain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging and bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned and sown asunder, tempted and slain. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted and tormented. But we're not talking about their day in their arena. I'm talking about today. It's not them that's in the arena. It's you that's in the arena. And the Bible tells us that they without us cannot be made perfect. They are waiting for more champions to come. You may think, well, what have I done that's been so great? Man, when we get to the other side, I'm going to find one of these, and I'm going to ask them, how did you make it? But you don't realize they're going to find you and say, how did you make it? How did you come out of Satan's Eden? I'm going to tell you how you made it. Because a champion on the inside. A champion on the inside. And the man didn't give you that champion. The church didn't give you that champion. But God came. And gave you his son, his Holy Spirit, to champion you through. See, their arena produced some of the greatest champions that history has ever chronicled. And today, it's not those in Hebrews 11, but it's us. And some of your affliction is financial. Some of your affliction is your children, it's your family, it's your marriage, it's your finances, it's your body, it's your sickness. It's an arena. It's not the critic who counts. Watching the services, criticizing your rejoicing, criticizing your emotion. It's not the critic that counts. It all matters to the man that's in the arena. Because he knows great trials. He knows what he's been through to produce that emotion. To produce that overwhelming feeling of release when he finally gets the victory. See, the credit belongs to the man who's actually... In the arena. See, the man who strives valiantly, even when he's exhausted and weary, he continues to fight. Think about the man who's been up all night puking because he's fighting cancer, battling Caesars before he walks out behind the pulpit. He don't come like this when a champion walks through the door. And he comes and he smiles. Because I love you. A champion of the faith. When Satan stoned everything he could at him, he stands behind this desk to preach to you a God that still heals. A God that still delivers. 
Can I tell you about a few more champions present day? A champion is a man who maybe lost a spouse or a loved one. Instead of getting down on it and digressing and pulling away, the champion rises and he walks out those doors because he's got a people that believes in him. And he stands behind this and says, don't have pity for me. I know where she's at. And he preaches to you a God that's still able. A God that still can. A God that still will. I'm talking to you about champions. Maybe. Maybe the champion. Someone who's been to the doctor. They don't know what's going on with them. Legs tingling. Can't figure it out. Body does crazy things. Doctor doesn't give them a great report. But a champion, when called upon, never mentions his sickness, never gives in to how he feels, but he comes and he stands at his call of duty and he preaches faith. That no matter how my body is, no matter if I don't have a remedy, if they can't even put a name on it, he's standing in front of you as a champion of faith. Looking away from what he feels and believing in a God who heals. Let me give you one more champion. A champion that's been in a battle of depression. Lost a mom. Wife going through struggles. Changes. Throws you into a depression. But week after week. Wednesday after Wednesday, service after service, all around the world, called upon. We need you, Brother Timothy. We need you to come preach. He ain't standing behind this desk preaching to you about his depression, but he's preaching to you about a God that delivers, a God that defeats depression, a God that's able tonight. I'm talking to you about championship pedigree. And every one of us have a champion within. You are a champion tonight. God has made you a champion. You got every right to worship. You got every right to praise God. God made you what you are. It's what God has done for his children. He's given us a piece of himself. A part of that championship bloodline is living in every one of us here tonight. It's not the critic that counts. It's not the critics that's the champion. It's not your trial that's the champion. It's not your sickness that's the champion. It's not your financial struggle or your marriage struggle that's the champion. It's you. It's you. It's you that's the champion tonight. Didn't I bring you from nothing? Didn't I bring you from nothing? Didn't I take drugs and alcohol away from you? Didn't I make you a champion? Didn't I do this, not Tim Pruitt, but I did it. Didn't I call you from Mississippi? Didn't I call you from your friends? Didn't I call you from the worldly life that you used to live? Didn't I call you? Didn't I place you here? You didn't understand nothing about this message, but I called you to come here because he looked on the inside and he saw championship material. 
And God has sent some of you from Washington. He sent some of you from Arizona. He sent some of you from all over the place. Why not come and be a part of this arena? Because God has got more champions. I say, oh God, today, make champions out of our young people. Make champions out of our grandparents. Make champions out of the people of God tonight.
I can, I will, I do. 